Good morning, everyone. I hope you had a wonderful day yesterday. If it's, uh, if it's not going to be a white Christmas, it might as well be 70 degrees, right? Wasn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, um, we, we heard from uh, Olivia Grace and Emma how they were surprised at Christmas just a few moments ago. Um, kids, I'd be curious. Just show of hands here. Was anyone else surprised yesterday? Did you experience any surprises? Any other kids? Oh, we got a couple hands. I, would we like to hear about some of those surprises, church? Yeah, all right. Okay, over here in the green shirt, how were you surprised? With the weather. Yeah, that was a good one. Abigail, go ahead. How were you surprised? Makeup. Yeah, that's a good one. Weren't expecting that. Tell us. Oh, that's a fun surprise. Yeah. How about over, okay, over here? John, why don't you tell us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay, let's, let's, yes, Mr. Fritz, Jesus, yeah, Jesus, okay, maybe we got time for one more, go ahead, I'm sorry, a nesting doll, I've heard of those, that was pretty cool, huh, yeah, well, I'm glad you guys had some really good surprises yesterday, but you know, sometimes surprises can go the other way, can't they? Sometimes, like, for instance, maybe if you were really hoping for a nesting doll and instead all you got were, like, school clothes or Christmas sweaters, then that wouldn't be a very good surprise, would it? Or what about um, students over here? If um, you thought you had studied really hard for a test and you were prepared and you sat down to, to take that test and then you discovered that the teacher asked a bunch of questions from a, a section you had forgot to review, that wouldn't be a very good surprise, would it? Or adults, maybe uh, you've had the experience where uh, you thought you were shooing for a particular job, and after several rounds of interviews, you got a call back from the company, and they said they were going to go in a different direction. Or maybe you, you've had an experience uh, slimmer, similar to that of Clark Griswold, where you were kind of expecting one thing from the company at Christmas time, and it turns out you got something uh, akin to the uh, subscription to the Jelly of the Month Club. You know what a surprise is, the definition of it? It's, it's an unexpected event. And sometimes a surprise can be a really good thing if that unexpected event exceeds our expectations. Like, this won't happen tomorrow, but maybe a month from now. Like, kids, uh, the weatherman comes on and he says, we're going to get a light dusting of snow. And you wake up in the morning and there's six inches of snow and they have to cancel school. Then that's a good surprise, right? Yeah, but, but, but sometimes a surprise can go the other direction. Like if you're hoping to make it to Grandma's house in time for that, that special dinner, and as you're traveling along the interstate, you get hit with a traffic jam. And that's not a good surprise. And unfortunately, bad surprises are also a part of life. We can't insulate ourselves from them. When your plane gets delayed on account of a snowstorm, it really doesn't matter how much power you yield at work. There's nothing you can do 
to change that situation. You can't control the weather. Or if you're driving down the road and another car hits your vehicle, like what happened to, to our family um, this past year, uh, and your vehicle gets totaled, it doesn't matter how much you might have liked that car. You can't go back in time and you can't undo that situation, can you? Or if the person that you're dating and you have strong feelings for them and they decide they want to go separate ways, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't make someone else fall in love with you. Life is full of really good surprises like people getting engaged and makeup and, you know, karaoke machines and nesting dolls. Uh, but life is also full of curveballs, isn't it? There'll be some times as you go through life where you just feel like the, the rug got yanked out from underneath you. And, and when that happens, how should we respond? When our, when our, when our hopes and all our plans and expectations are, are disrupted by unexpected events. Well, I'd like you to look with me at the account of Jesus' birth for an answer. Now, the Christmas story, just to be clear, is primarily about God sending his son to this earth to be our savior. That's the good news that's at the heart of the Christmas story. Jesus coming to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. In the words of the shepherds who surprised the angels, this is the good news of great joy that's for all people. But it can also be instructive to see how the people who played a supporting role in the birth of Jesus, responded to this unexpected event. If you've read the account of Jesus' birth, you know that plenty of people were surprised by events surrounding his entry into our world when Zechariah and Elizabeth learned that they would give birth to a son after struggling to conceive after all those years. I'm sure that was a really good surprise. But you know, there were other surprises that probably would have been met with less enthusiasm. We know that Mary's husband Joseph is surprised on at least two occasions, the second of which is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. It says, And an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt. Now, I don't know about you, but I place a high premium on my sleep. So I, I think of this one time um, a few years back when uh, one of my daughters came into our room uh, in the middle of the night and, and woke Stephanie and I up to tell us that she was hungry. Now, um, in hindsight, I probably could have been a little bit more gracious in my response. Um, I, I told her, hey, there." There's only two reasons to wake me up in the middle of the night. The house is on fire or you have a cut requiring more than 12 stitches. Other than that, you know, like no disruptions until the morning. In my defense, she was like 10. She definitely knew how to open the refrigerator door and the pantry door. That wasn't telling this to a toddler. But, you know, it, um, I, I think about Joseph's situation here. I think about, I realize, I reflect, I know how I like to order my own life and how I like things managed. And I consider this, and I gain a whole new appreciation. I mean, Joseph isn't roused in the middle of the night to go down the stairs and to get some Tylenol or even to go out to the store uh, for the emergency run for diapers. He gets woken up in the middle of the night, and he's asked to move 
with his family to another country immediately. That's a pretty big surprise, isn't it? That's a pretty big disruption. When he went to bed that night, I don't think this was on his radar. It's not hard to imagine how this surprise would have annulled everything that he had penciled into his calendar for the next several months. As a young man, I'm sure that he had plans to to grow his carpentry business. Maybe he was in the middle of a project when he had to leave uh, for Bethlehem, and he's in a, a hurry to get back to Nazareth so he can finish that up. And he's just told, he's, he's woken up in the middle of the night, and he's, he's told to go to a foreign land on a moment's notice, and he's not even told for how long. God just says, until I tell you. Or have you ever thought about Mary, Jesus' mother? As Pastor David mentioned in a previous sermon this month, in the ancient Near East, it was common For women to marry at a much earlier age, and scholars speculate that Mary might have been as young as 14 or 15. And maybe you can think back to a time when you were that age. Can we do that for a moment? I mean, what what were the things that you were looking forward to when you were 14 or 15? Maybe making a school sports team, maybe driver's license, first real job. I don't know, getting your braces off. An in-sync concert, a New Kids on the Block concert, if we're a little bit older. I don't, I don't know how far we want to go back here. But here's the thing. If there were things that we were looking forward to when they were, we were that age, do you think people living 100, 200, even 2,000 years ago had things that they were looking forward to as well? You bet they did. And, and I want us to take a special look at how Mary responds when she receives this unexpected news that most certainly would have disrupted her life. Beginning now in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. It's easy to take Mary, the mother of our Savior, and and put her on a pedestal and just assume because she's the mother of the Savior that it, it would have been quite natural for her to have a conversation with an angel. But what we learn here is that her reaction to this surprise visitor is probably very similar to the one that you and I would have. The Bible tells us that she's not just troubled, is she? What is she? She's greatly troubled. And and she's trying to discern what sort of greeting this might be. She's, She's very rational in her response to this. She's trying to make sense of what on earth is going on here. And we pick up now in in verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary speaks for the first time. And she said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? In other words, can you help me out here a a little bit? 
I'm trying to make sense of this, and there's just this one little piece I can't figure out. Um, I'm, I'm not married, and I've never been with a man. And in response to her genuine curiosity, the angel answers her. The angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. We've seen that Mary is thoughtful. She's rational. She's trying to process what all of this means. And we're led to conclude that she isn't naive about the ramifications of this unexpected news. She's an unmarried woman who's about to become pregnant, and she lives in a small town. People can put two and two together. She also has a fiancé, and I'm sure she's wondering, how in the world is is he going to make sense of all this? Let's just state the obvious here. The, The news that Gabriel delivered didn't simply mean like a change of gears. This isn't like, oh, I had one outfit planned, and now it's raining. This isn't like, ah, Uh, I was really hoping we'd go out for dinner and now my spouse wants to stay in. This is more than a change of gears. This is a radical disruption to all her plans and expectations. You can't help but wonder how many shattered hopes just flashed in front of her mind as this news was dropped in her lap. Given what we know about weddings in the ancient Near East, how they were this multi-day affair that brought the whole village together, I would anticipate that Mary perhaps had been looking forward to that event. And and now, uh, there would be no large celebration. We don't know how many other dreams were put on ice, but we can be sure that the trajectory of her life was changed in that instant. What's your response When your plans, when your calendar, when your schedule is upended on a moment's notice. How do you react? Do do you kind of have the the Clark Griswold moment? It it can be tempting to do that, right? Just to kind of come unhinged for a few. Maybe grab the chainsaw, take care of the newel post. Go on some tirade and just hopes it's this carthatic, carthatic experience. Or are you on the other end of the spectrum? Do you, do you just stoic, like stiff upper lip? Let's just find the, you know, my internal override button and, and hit it and drive on, conceal, don't feel. I'd like to suggest a, a third possibility. And, and it's the one that Mary models for us in this passage. I want you to see how Mary responds to this news. Here's what she says. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Those of you who worship with us regularly, you know that Pastor David is fond of encouraging us to turn Scripture into prayer. And this is a wonderful verse to do that with. And I'd like to challenge all of us to adopt this as our breath prayer or as our our centering prayer for the coming year. And when you you hear me use the word centering, maybe you're thinking that this is a practice for for people who like to hang out in yurts and use goat soap and 
and drop the word namaste. I'm, I'm not talking about that kind of centering. That, that word has been co-opted in recent years by people who, who, who are into new age spirituality. And I'm not talking about like holding special crystals to feel more balanced or standing barefoot in the dirt to, to draw up healing energy from Mother Earth. I'm talking about a, a, a very Christian practice that dates all the way back to the early church. And, and by design, it's a short prayer. One of the most common is the Jesus prayer, uh, which is derived from Luke 18. It's a combination of two verses. Maybe you've heard the Jesus prayer before. It goes like this. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Maybe some of you have heard that before. Well, a breath prayer, we could say the centering prayer, it's short. And it's short because it makes it easy to memorize and then to repeat over and over again. And, and the reason for saying the same prayer over and over again is it's threefold. One, repetition has a way of settling the words more deeply into our soul. It helps us contemplate what we're praying. Two, it helps us live out the Bible's command to pray without ceasing so that we can keep company with God throughout the day. And a third reason is it's formative. It, it, it's a way that... that God can actually change us to become more Christ-like. See, what happens is we make it a habit of praying this prayer. It will eventually become reflexive or second nature so that our default response to disruptions in life will be very similar to Mary's. So in the same way that breathing is an unconscious thing, just think about what it would be like if the reflex of our soul to unexpected events was more like Mary's. Do you think you would have more peace in your life? I think our lives would be better for it. And um, spouses, you don't have to raise hands right now, but, you know, I, I would suggest that the, the people that you live life with, whether that's roommates or um, you know, your spouse, your children, your parents, their lives might be better off for it too. So, so how does this work? How do we personalize Mary's words as our own and offer them up as a prayer? Well, we're, we're just going to say this verse. We're like almost like an arrow just being shot off. This is, this is what we're just going to say to God when we find ourselves in an unexpected situation or a surprise that we're having a difficulty digesting. And you'll notice that the, the first part of this is just a simple statement. Mary says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. If you're in a place where it would be okay to say it out loud, I'd encourage you to do that. And if not, just as you breathe in, just in your own mind, make this acknowledgement. Say, behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let's all try it together as practice. Can we say it together? All right, here we go. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Now, when we, when we say that, we're acknowledging two things. Number one, we're reminding ourselves of our identity. Who are we? Well, I know you're like, we can be tempted to think that the universe revolves around us, right? That we're some big-time shot caller. And, and when we, we say this, when we pray this, we're reminding ourselves that we're a servant. Some translations opt for the word bondservant. Maybe you have that in there, or handmaiden, or maidservant. It's a person who gives himself or herself up to another's will. But we're not just any old servant. It's equally important that we remind ourselves whose servant we are. Behold, I am a servant of who? 
the Lord. So this prayer causes us to be mindful of our own identity and also the identity of our master. We serve the Lord. He's the one who is in control of everything. He's the one who's all-knowing. He is the one who says that not even a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowing. He's the one who says even the number of hairs on our head are numbered. He is the one that's above all and through all and in all. He is Lord of all. And sometimes when we get hit with unexpected news and it catches us off guard, it's good to remind ourselves that we have a master who is not caught off guard, that he knows everything that he isn't surprised. He's still seated on his throne and his kingdom rules over all. Now, if this is the, the, the first half of the prayer and it's about acknowledgement, the second half of this prayer is about acceptance, we could say, or submission. Mary says, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. And then what does she say? She says, let it be to me according to your word. In other words, Mary says, all right, even if this seems like a significant loss from my vantage point, I'm going to embrace your will. I, th I think in praying this, Mary is honest with the Lord. I think she's kind of vocalizing, okay, this wouldn't have been my first choice. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to take my hands off the wheel and I'm going to give you control. So as we breathe in, we say, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. And then as we exhale or we breathe out, we're going to release this. We're going to hand over whatever is surprising us, whatever has disrupted our day. We're going to give it to God. And we're going to say, let it be to me according to your word. Can we say that part together? Let's do it. Let it be to me according to your word. It's a prayer of submission. And if you've been wronged or you've been taken advantage of, praying this doesn't mean that you're agreeing to become sort of doormat that you're just going to sit there and take it. If you've received discouraging news from a doctor, it doesn't mean that you're not going to look to modern medicine for a cure or seek a second opinion. When we pray, let it be to me according to your word, what we're saying is, God, okay, I might understand. I, 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 I might not fully understand what you and your providence have allowed to come into my life, but I'm just going to focus on following your word and I'm going to trust that you can work out all things together for my good. And you might say, well, I don't know. That's an easy prayer for Mary to pray. Because you know what? She had a visit from an angel. And, you know, I haven't had that. And we, we see God initiated this unexpected news. And, you know, this disruption that's happened in my life, this, I don't think this was initiated by God. In fact, this is the result of someone doing something really sinful and I would say, even if there, there is no evidence that God initiated it, here's what we know. Even if you haven't received an angelic visitor, doesn't mean that God isn't sovereign and he isn't at work in your situation. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. So that means that he's aware of everything that happened to us. Uh, to borrow the words of a, of a great song, even when we don't see it, he's working. Even when we don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. And so when we pray this prayer, what we're doing is we're allowing ourselves to become more attuned to the reality that God's at work. 
and that he can use the curveballs in our life to bless us. We think of what the Old Testament patriarch Joseph told his brothers at the end of the book of Genesis. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. And I, I don't know what the future holds, but if history is any predictor, we'll probably encounter a surprise or two in the coming year, won't we? Some of them will just be like frustrating, aggravating, annoying. You know, your, your kid's school might call and say that your child's been exposed and you need to quarantine for the next two weeks and it's going to completely upend your schedule and mess up everything you had planned at work. Maybe you're going to miss a flight, cause you to miss an important meeting or a significant occasion. Other surprises might be more disheartening. Maybe your, your boyfriend or girlfriend that you have strong feelings for is going to want to discontinue the relationship. Or routine blood work is going to reveal some abnormality. In fact, maybe some of you are, are still dealing right now with the fallout from an unexpected event from this past year. Maybe it was news at work or maybe something going on with a family member or even your own health. Praying Mary's words isn't going to change your situation. It isn't some magic silver bullet that God uses to undo the surprise. God doesn't promise to change our situation. But when we pray this prayer, what happens is we open ourselves up to keeping company with the one who promised that when we pass through the waters, he will be with us. And through the river, they will not overwhelm us. And when we walk through the fire, we will not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. When we pray this prayer, we're reminded of God's sovereignty and the fact that we can entrust ourselves to him. We don't have to, to take all of life's circumstances and events and people and try and bend them to our will. Rather, we should submit our will to God's and trust that he's going to work it out for our good. So as we lean into 2020, 2022, as we encounter disruptions, as the unexpected events of life just sort of confront us, we're going to pray first. We're going to fire off this brief little breath prayer as a way of centering ourselves. And as, as we pray, uh, prepare to just pray it together one more time for practice. Maybe even right now God's bringing to mind a surprise, a disruption that you've encountered recently that you know you need to offer up to him. So right now, here's what I'm just going to invite us to do. We can Take our hands and let's just put them on our lap, palms up. You know, this is the posture if we're going to give something to someone, this is how our hands would be. And so we're going to give that to the Lord. But yet at the same time, this is, this is also how we would have our hands if we wanted to receive something. And so what we tell God when we have our hands this way is that we're also open to receiving his will. So whatever that is, just kind of picture it there and we're going to give it to him. Let's say it together one more time. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Now there might be someone here, someone listening, who's saying, I, you know, I don't know if I can pray that prayer with sincerity. I, 
I don't know if I can do that because I don't know if I want to acknowledge that I'm a servant of the Lord. I, I, frankly, I kind of like being the shot caller. I kind of like being the one to determine what I'm going to do and how I'm going to react. And I don't know if I want to surrender my personal autonomy. I don't know if I want to submit to someone else's will, to following God's word. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of Jesus. Don't get me wrong. I kind of, you know, I like his teaching, but I don't know if I really want him to be Lord of my life and tell me what to do in every area of my life. You'd say, well, why not just keep doing what I have been doing, keep doing things my way? Well, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. And Jesus says that he has come that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. He says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. And so when we say, Jesus, I want to be your servant and I want you to be my Lord, really what we're doing is we're saving our life. We're experiencing his best. We're walking with him and we'll receive the eternal life, the everlasting life that he wants to give. We know that in his presence there is fullness of joy and at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And if you've kind of just been holding on to your autonomy, if you've, if you've been the one that just has your hands wrapped around the wheel, I want to encourage you to make today the day where you would say, okay, God, I'm going to give up control. I, I'm going to release my grip and I'm going to let you take over and you can be Lord and I'll be your servant. If you've never done that before, I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, you know what's going on in each one of our hearts. You know the things that we're wrestling with. You know the things that we're carrying with us. You know what we'll bring with us into the new year and what will happen to us in the new year. Lord, I, I pray that, that Mary's words would be very formative for us, that you would take them deep into our heart, into our mind, and cement them there so that as we go through life, we would be able to respond in the same way and to experience your peace and to trust you to work out all things together for our good. Lord, I pray for the person here who has never submitted to your will, never surrendered control of their life, and it if you're here and you would want to change that, you would want to experience God's best, I'd invite you just to say a prayer like this. Say, Jesus, I recognize that when I do things my way, that I sin. And my sin has separated me from you. And I thank you that you would come to this earth and you would live the perfect life I could never live and you would bear the punishment I deserve to bear to atone for my sin. And I want to receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. And I want to commit 
to walking in your ways all of my days. And all God's people said, amen.